Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. We're like, oh. we're, we're ready. We're oh. there. We're there. Oh, so, so Gary's <laughs> not here today, and I'm no. not wearing a mask. You know, you're not wearing a mask, but we will get right to the task and start talking about grass. So, you remember, like, when we used to just be like, you're in the rotation. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we oh, geez. jump in the rotation. That was our thing, jumping in the rotation. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Gary's not here. Gary's got the uh, something going on with, uh, you know, uh, family issues or whatever, personal. Um, so, yeah, we're, you know, it's just a classic duo of uh, Chris and Carlos. And we're here to talk about marijuana in Florida mm. no, before- and all the stuff that's going on. Man, well, before we, we, we start on Florida, I got to say uh, just a couple of announcements. Last night, the Virginia legislature legalized adult use. They, they, so, I mean, uh, it, the, the bills, uh, you know, left out um, in its final form, you know, expungement of records and criminal justice reform, which was a big issue for a lot of folks. Um, but overall, um, you know, having the right to have uh up to six ounces on you, um, you know, they're going to have rec- uh, retail facilities uh, for adult use by 2024. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, uh, uh, the conservative South, if you will, Virginia is really the first big state um, to go kinda down. It depresses me a little bit because I kind of wanted Florida to be the first place in the south to legalize adult use marijuana and like virginia i didn't even know virginia had medical marijuana um, and like you know what i'm also yeah. a little skeptical too every time i hear a place legalizes medical marijuana or adult use after what happened here in florida was with medical marijuana and how they kind of corrupted the system and hearing about what happened in new jersey everybody's all happy that new jersey's got like uh this new i thought they had medical marijuana for a while but they either got medical marijuana or they got adult use and it's just as restrictive as our program yeah you can't grow at home gotta pay like huge amount of money nobody can open up a dispensary you know and like i don't know man um are we even legalizing marijuana anymore? Is that like a thing? Like, <laughs> or I mean, is, is, is I, it, it seems to me and like, I'll be honest with you, I'm ranting a little bit, but I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I, I like to, I'm, I got into marijuana to get into the business side of things, you know? And um, I, I've done a good deal of activism work or whatever, but I really want to make an impact in the industry. And it looks to me like the industry is dead. And, you know, we we're talking about mushrooms before we got on the show. I think mushrooms are the new thing. Maybe we should become the the national organization for the reform of mushroom laws. 
<laughs> well, you know, uh, interesting enough, mushroom laws uh, in the DMV, at least in Washington, D.C., uh, by the voters referendum uh, was decriminalized uh, in this last election. Um, Virginia's bill allows for the cultivation of up to four plants for po- okay. uh, personal use. And, you know. All right. So Norman asked that in the comments. So, yeah, you knock that out. And there was this battle over vertical integration, though, of the Virginia uh, retail system. The House version wanted to ban vertical integration. The Senate version wanted to allow it uh, if this if the companies paid a million dollar fee into a state equity fund. So there is this public policy um, of vertical integration that is seeping into a lot of newer systems uh, that are legalizing. And it, it, it does become a political fight because vertical integration really is about um keeping the money in, in just a handful of places and a handful of actors who really can is. to be in the industry, which is not the American way. Since, nope. you're, since you are a young child taught in the, the American public school systems is that we're a capitalist free market society. And the older yes. you get and the more taxes you pay in life and the more responsibilities you have, whether it's a mortgage or a car or you start to vote, you start to realize it is not a free market. It is a pay to play market, meaning that the rules do not matter if you have enough money. Mm, mm. You can hire the right lawyers. You can, you buy, can the buy the right politicians. Yeah, yeah. Buy, bribe the right politicians. Yeah. You know, and um yeah, it's it's not right, man. And it really, really sucks because uh, something like marijuana, um, I really have. And, you know, it's I sound like a hippie or whatnot, but I have an affinity with the plant. You know, I, I know I look really high on the podcast today, but <laughs> but, you know, like it, it, it in my opinion, this plant there's no no other plant out there that grows in the ground that can grow from seed that has an affinity with the human body, you know, and it's crazy that we restrict ourselves from it. And, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, um, you know, and, and I just feel jaded at this point with baby steps in marijuana legalization. I think, I don't think marijuana is going to be legalized anymore. I think laws are going to be passed you know, um, but I don't I don't even know if, you know, what's happening in the Florida legislature right now with the, the bills to legalize adult use with Brandis and Carlos. Maybe I should take a closer look at them because, I mean, that might not even do anything for us. That might not even like change anything, you know. Well, uh, you know, there is one interesting bill having to do with legalization that uh, Representative Angie Nixon, is, who's a, a freshman representative um, out of Jacksonville, uh, is sponsoring. And it is, uh, you know, essentially a way uh, to strike down vertical integration, if you will, to allow um, other uh, businesses, micro businesses to come in and work with the already vertically integrated folks. Uh, you know, all in all, the vertical integration system is there. It's a reality. What we can do is pass legislation and policy to essentially work around the the, the issues that it's created um, by allowing you know smaller businesses to source to the you know uh, the, their product uh, from the existing vertically integrated farms. And that was something that the Virginia bill also does. It is 
it allows you know it's still going to have some vertically integrated uh, uh, businesses that are already in the medical market but then it's going to allow micro businesses small businesses uh, to get into it themselves and and to be able to work with them and i think that you know that's part of it like we're not going to push these already established you know multi million multi billion dollar companies hey what's up hey, Bucky? so this is Costa. <laughs> All right, and Sasa wants to get on the, in the rotation. So, <laughs> yeah. What, what does she think about uh, these baby steps of progress not leading anywhere? She has an issue with it because these are the same baby steps we've been talking about since the 60s and 70s, you know? Um, yeah. And it, and it seems like that in the, across the entire country. Uh, you know, when it comes to um, the cannabis when it comes to um, the minimum wage, when it comes to uh, civil rights and the fight for equality, we are still, you know, um, in, in the establishment politicians and, and everyone in the public seems to think that incremental steps are OK. But the va- fact is, is that it's not it, it, uh, more people getting arrested in this country for marijuana possession, for cannabis possession, then violent, all violent crime put together is not okay. And that, that level of incremental progress is not okay. We may have not seen legalization uh, fully here uh, in the, in the U S anywhere, but there's areas in the U S that have seen tolerance and like what I'm talking about right now is like I, I lived for a certain amount of time in downtown Oakland in California. And dude, like you walk past a fucking bus stop in downtown Oakland and it smells like pot. <laughs> There's a dispensary right across the street from the downtown Oakland uh, police department. And like you walk out of that dispensary, you got a brown paper bag with stapled at the top and there's a car parked outside with like two cops sitting on it eating donuts. And like they know what's in that brown paper bag. And that's and the thing is, is that they don't care because they they had made it known. We're not here to arrest you for pot. We're worried about gangs and murders and all this other stuff. We're going to take a responsible approach to policing the public. Um, So we've seen tolerance. So that also means that like, I, you know, I've experienced a little bit of freedom here and, you know, in Cali, you could grow your own plants. You could go to a store. You would have to say a certain lingo and say, I want you to donation and I'm a member and this is a collective or whatever, but you're going into a store, you're buying pot, you know, and this is pot that's grown in people's basements and whatnot. You know, and that's a good shit. That's the that's a shit that people cared about. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, uh, it, it was freedom and nothing was wrong. As a matter of fact, cops were caring more about murder. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why we can't just legalize the plant. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, you know, and, and I'm all for a bill that allows people to set up a warehouse and all these people share the space and there's guidance from all these other growers and whatnot. And I'm all for letting tourists come in, come in, in here and being allowed to, to smoke our medical marijuana. I'm down to pass a blunt to a tourist, but it's just frustrating for all the baby steps. And it's like, we're not even really getting anywhere. And I don't know, maybe I'm just in like a weird drab mood this morning. I don't know. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to see, um, 
where public policy is going. You know, I read a bill yesterday that now wants to crack down on Delta 8 THC sales. And, you know, I, I know that in Florida. Yeah, yeah in Florida. Hell? Just got filed. And and, it, and and they want to prevent I minors. They want, yeah, I thought you would you would be interested to hear this. Um, I, you did, know, I didn't know about it. The the the, the bills being sponsored uh, by uh, by Bobby Powell, and and I firmly feel as though it is a waste of our tax dollars uh, because ideally, why does the Florida legislature need to waste money uh, enforcing Delta Eight THC? Uh, uh, laws when it's the Department of Agriculture essentially that that needs you know like make a call to Nikki Fried's office and and ask for stronger and, stri- and more stringent enforcement. But to to waste our tax dollars in a sixty five day limited session where there are so many other bills, laws, the budget that needs to happen in Florida, it's similar to when I see politicians uh, passing bans on certain dog breeds. It's how I feel about them trying to regulate Delta 8 THC. It is a legal product. If you don't want miners to get a hold of it, then send the Department of Agriculture into the any gas stations that are selling it to miners. But don't mm-hmm. sit up there and waste my tax dollars to write a bill, have staff review a bill, upload it on the, my, the, the website that my taxes pay for, and then you're sitting there and telling me you're trying to do some type of public good. Because you're not. What you're doing is exercises in futility, wasting money. And so as a politician you could say oh look i did something i was protecting the kids no you're not you're wasting our dollars if you really wanted to protect the kids take the money that you just wasted to write that bill and put it in the school's budget you know <laughs> i know man uh it's just it, it's crazy um you know and to be clear, it's not a ban on Delta Eight. It's a it's a restriction that you can only sell Delta Eight to people twenty one and up. And there's going to be you know, but any time you start to see these bills trying to encroach on any freedoms that we've already won, it, they're trying to turn the clock backs. I mean, it is it is about a power grab for our rights and our freedom in the grand scheme of things, and that's not right. Yeah, the and and the whole thing with Grady Judd doing that report. And um, I don't know. A lot of people don't like Delta 8, apparently. Um, yeah, dude. Um, I had this, uh, you know, like, I, I do have to be careful in this store selling Delta 8. Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you why. And actually, the news that did the report on Chillum selling Delta 8 uh, did a good job of showing this. But uh, there was a lady that came in. Um, and, uh, she, she went to do a dab and we, we served Delta eight dabs here. We, you know, mm-hmm. we will, we'll give people a dab of Delta ATAC and, you know, I was definitely telling her, Hey, like this gets you high this, you know, um, but I don't think she was paying attention to me and she was trying to show off for her friends. And then all of a sudden this woman that's never felt what marijuana is like, just did a dab. <laughs> Sorry for laughing, but the picture of what you just said in my head. So, so the picture it like this, like dude, like an old church lady, right, doing her first dab mm-hmm. of Delta ATAC in the middle of Ybor City, right. She's sitting down in the corner and she's like, "Oh my, oh my God!" Like she's like got her mask on and she's like. <laughs> Uh, like scared for her life dude so like people just have to be uh, have to (laughs) people just have to be be aware that it it gets them stoned and people can make their own decisions and like you know it's it's not 
you know, it's it, it's just like Delta Nine. I don't know. I, it's it's weird. I guess I have to preach to the choir on this podcast because I mean, what else can you say? Like, I mean, it's it, it's it, the weed has never hurt anybody. Like, you know, it should be sold like this, just out in the public, just for for anybody who wants it. Well, you know, I think that. The, the prohibition on cannabis is a big issue because it does create safety issues for people. If politicians wanted to make cannabis safer, if you want to put restrictions on things, then you have to open up a legal market because you have to take it out of the hands of an illicit market, out of the hands of drug dealers, right? Because, you know, I shouldn't have to go get my cannabis from some guy who's also moving heavy weight who might have connections with some real criminal enterprises, right? And so that that's that's the part of it that that, that creates an issue. You want safe tested, you know, product that people know what they're putting in their bodies. And that's the beautiful part I love about what you use at your store and, and what, what you're selling in that you have a laboratory test on it. It has ratios and it has labeling on it, but you can walk into some of these other uh, head shops and you can walk into some of these other smoke shops anywhere in the U S and you're like, it just says CBD on the label, or it, it just says, you know, hemp oil on the label. Yep. It, it has zero testing and such. Can you, you know? imagine having to go to a drug dealer to buy Delta ATC? That is ludicrous. That would be weird. <laughs> Hey, do you have Delta Eight? It's so much more mellow, you know. Yo, yo, bro, I spelt, I sprayed this hemp flower that I got with Delta Eight THC. Yo, fucking, I'll sell you a nickel bag. <laughs> Puppy, oh, I want a dog so bad. Uh, well, this one is an American Bulldog. She's gonna be two years old in April. And, uh, yeah, they're a handful uh, if you have bullies as puppies. But they're, they're great dogs. They're loyal. so And uh, they scare people, even though they're, they're not really that scary. So a good, good protection dog. Yeah, it looks like a sweet puppy. She just wants yeah. love. Um, okay, so, so all right. So I spent this whole uh, 17 minutes just, like, uh, bad-mouthing all the progress that's ever happened with marijuana legalization. <laughs> So, it's, so it's, it's let's natural. talk about what progress is going to be made in the Florida legislature. There's a couple of bills, and we keep talking about them every week. And um, you know, Gary's normally the guy to talk about them, but you know, you kind of got to step in now, Kano, and uh, let us know what's happening. Well, look, um, <laughs> there there's some recent bills filed. Um, that essentially are uh, omnibus glitch bills is a nice way to put it, where they're, they're working on, one, removing cannabis off of the uh, schedule uh, here in Florida. Um, also, being able to look at some of these bills and, and tack amendments on there. Um, there were several bills that, that Gary, myself, uh, were pushing here in Florida looking for sponsors. And we ended up, you know, the, the deadline for bill sponsorship was Friday. And some of these bills didn't get sponsors. Um, you know, one, Gary's home grow uh, alternative bill that he wrote um, that has to do with, you know, being able to create uh, uh, co-ops uh, for home grows. Uh, that are essentially don't grow at your home, but grow at a third party site. You know, th it's a step in the right direction. He, he drafted something he thought a Republican legislature might be able to tolerate. And that really is what it goes down to is for as much as I hate that politics affects this plant, there is a big partisan divide on this plant in many cases. Um, at the federal level, it's a little bit different because you see Republican legislators coming from states like Colorado, California, and other states where it's working. 
and they realize, okay, yeah, this works. Let's 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 get behind this. Even in Florida, where you have folks like Matt Gates, who was the sponsor of the 2014 Compassionate Care Act, which allowed for uh, low THC uh, uh, cannabis uh, uh, for medical use in Florida. So you you have some politicians that that understand that legalization needs to happen. That that's the way forward, and yet you you constantly see other ones that. They know the train has left the station. They're doing everything they can to divert the tracks, to you know, throw a baby on the train tracks, uh, do everything to stop this train that, that's moving full speed. And that is what you see in these bills with the uh, THC caps. These bills that are going to, you know, essentially tax the plant and tax the patients. Um, mm-hmm. They want to limit concentrates to sixty percent in the bill. They want to limit flour to ten percent. And for me, that is ethically wrong because it is up to the patient and the doctor as to what percentages, what type of medicine they need to use. If you're a cancer patient, the state should have no right to limit your ability to get healthy and and regulate this plant to a point to where it's going to hinder your recovery. It's going to hinder your treatment, hinder your progress. If a cancer patient needs a 98% uh, THC concentrate, then by all means, the state should not be standing in the way of that. If if someone who has Crohn's disease needs to smoke a flower that's 15% THC, then why is the state standing in the way of that? And that is where we're at with these bills. I mean, over 2000 people have signed the petition that Florida for Cares put out to stop the THC caps. I know I put out the, that same petition in our, our most recent email blast to our members and to our followers. But that is where we're at right now is that this battle in the Florida legislature is heating up between moving forward and progressing with legalization and everything they're doing to try and stop it from, you know, these Delta eight regulation bills to the, THC caps. Um, and it's not right because, I mean, they're sitting there wanting to make the state of Florida virtually almost open carry where you can have a gun anywhere. But for some reason, I can't have a joint anywhere. You know, and that that, that just boggles yeah. my mind. How can you be for freedom and yet you want to restrict freedoms uh, in other places? Well, and that's another thing, too. It's like, you know, with the 10 percent cap, I think our listeners are getting it from both sides here uh because we got gary saying that it's not going to go through and i was really you know i i really was in the past episode uh digging into and to see what he would say uh but you know um i you know i'm worried that a 10 percent cap is gonna go through that they're gonna sneak it in and finally get it in there they definitely want to they've been trying to for a couple of years now Mm-hmm. And and but Gary Gary swears that it's not going to go through. That we need to focus on other things. We guys focus on moving forward instead of stopping from moving back. Um, and then we had Eric Stevens on the show, which is like you know one hundred percent like let's get a mill ten percent GHT cap from Florida. And he's like, there's no way we're moving forward. We got to stop these guys from moving backwards. You know, we're not going to legalize. No, we, we don't have to worry about Brandis and Carlos's bill because that's just, you know, that's that's just, you know, not going to go, um, you know, that much forward. Like, it's there's no way in this legislator is going to push something like that through. It's true. I mean, it's it, looking at the best way I can compare it. When I was doing my, my research for my master's degree on cannabis prohibition, uh, I remember seeing in 2011 that, um, you know, you had uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and, and, and you had uh, uh, 
you know, Barney Frank. Uh, no, no, it was it was Bernie Sanders and Ron, Ron Paul were sponsoring a bill together to to essentially legalize cannabis federally. And th- mm-hmm. those are Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders are so far apart on the political spectrum. And that's similar to Carlos and Brandis. You know, that they're they're far apart of the spectrum, which means that you're going to have politicians um, in both of their parties that are not going to get behind it. And that's that's the problem is that uh, the establishment politicians in Florida are still very beholden to the existing forms of money that 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 get them reelected. Uh, the prison industrial complex, uh, you know, the the, the, law, the inflated law enforcement budgets all benefit the existing status quo. And when you start to affect the status quo, that means you're affecting their campaign donors. And then that's when, you know, you see the, the you know, progress get killed in its infancy. If you really, you know, if they really want to stop these legalization bills, all they got to do is assign them to four and five committees and they'll never see the light of day for a floor vote. And that's typically what we see. Or even then, it's up to committee chairmen to even schedule a bill. It could have a one committee stop, you know, essentially, and the chairman just never schedule it for a hearing. And so that's typically what has happened to legalization bills for the last 10 years. I remember when the mayor of St. Pete, Rick Christman, was the only state representative in the Florida legislature willing to go out on a limb and sponsor a legalization bill way back, you know, 2010. So, you know, this is not new. I mean, I've seen great state reps and state senators come and go. Dwight Bullard was another one when he was in the state Senate who sponsored a legalization bill. And here we are today. You got Jeff Brandis. That's that's progress in that you actually have a member of the Republican Party for once sponsoring a legalization bill in Florida. Um, but, you know, the, the fact is that it can't just be uh, politicians either in one party or the other. It really is. You know, Brandis and Carlos are showing us a, a way forward and, and that's going to take bipartisan partisan support. The problem is, is that even if you got all the dem- even if you got it to a floor vote uh, and got all the Democrats to vote for it, there still aren't enough Republicans in the Florida legislature that are willing to vote for it. And so that's why elections matter. And that's why, you know, if, for all of our listeners out there who are Republicans, you probably have the biggest impact on Florida politics more than anybody. If you're a Republican pothead, if you're a Republican cannabis user, you paying attention to your own party's politics and voting for abolitionists out of your own party are the biggest impact you can have right now in the state of Florida. To all my uh, uh, Polk County potheads, please get your butts out there to the polls and vote some of these prohibitionists out of office. If you're a pothead down in Naples and in Fort Myers, you got a bigger impact than anybody, especially if you're a Republican, to be able to vote these prohibitionists out of office. If you're up in North Florida, you have an impact. So North Florida, Polk County, Naples, vote them out of office. All of Florida, man. There's Cuban Republicans down in Miami still voting for oppressive ass politicians. And it's like, you know, what even is a Republican anymore? You know, you got like Republican shamans raiding the Capitol. <laughs> exactly. You know? like, exactly. Like, it, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what it is. It's, it's, so so many of them honestly disagree with the people that they vote for mm-hmm. and they still just i don't know it, it, the republican party um it, i guess we're getting too macro into this but the republican party is uh, very much into the rhetoric and the brainwashing you know and, well, let's, and, and let's stay fair and balanced, right? Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a member of the Democratic Party, and people always say, "Oh, you never criticize." 
I'm fully willing to criticize the existing establishment. Um, the yeah. one thing the Democratic Party cannot do is think they can weaponize cannabis as a political tool because the vast majority of people will not fall for that. You can't sit up there and, and be Johnny come lately. And that's why for the past decade, I've been advocating within my own party to say, look, you all need to get on this. This is a, a it's something that has to do with freedom. It has to do with civil rights. It has to do with you know people's health. I mean, it is a winning issue. Cannabis is not a wedge issue. It's not an issue like abortion that divides people. It's not an issue like religion in schools that divides people. Cannabis is something that unites people. It is the one public policy where you can get, you know, <laughs> we, we've seen it, Jews, Catholics, atheists together. You can get Republicans, Democrats together. You can get libertarians and, and, and progressives together. <laughs> this is something that unites people. Bob Marley said it best. It's the healing of a nation. And so if this is a public policy that as a nation we can finally get behind, politicians need to have the fortitude and the political will to make that happen. And that is what we're just not seeing. We're electing too many weak people to office. And by weak, I mean unwilling to take a stance and do the right thing when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I should just run for office, man. Bro, I'd support you all day. Hands yeah, down. I should yeah. become mayor of Tampa. Well, if you want to run for mayor, man, you know, hey, I would love to run you up against Jane Caster all day. <laughs> so bad. Oh, man. And that, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, politicians in this world tend to fail upwards. You see politicians at the local level that everybody's like, oh, I can't stand this person. Then the next day you look, they're your state representative. And then the next thing you look, they're in Congress. And the next thing you look, they might be your president of the United States one day. Case in point, Governor Rick Scott of Florida. Why he is our U.S. senator is just still mind boggling. But the fact that he is a prohibitionist, that he has defrauded uh, the, the government from Medicare dollars, that the, he, and he still manages to fail upwards. Uh, and it, it, it just drives me nuts. Um, another one, Marco Rubio was a darling. Okay. We thought he would be the first Cuban American president. And then he comes out and it's like, dude, you're a sellout hands down. Cause I'm sorry, but there is no way, shape or form that I could make peace with a guy who was running for president against me that called me out for having a small penis. Okay. <laughs> you know, I can I say the little dick. Are we allowed to say little dick? Is that, you, is that can, you, can, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just wanted to be clear about this. I mean, he ran for office. Trump said he had a little dick and then now you're sitting there worshiping the guy, you know, Ted Cruz, <laughs> Trump called his wife ugly and then he gets behind him. You know, point being is whether you're a Trump supporter or not, let's just take that in, in context of third party. A dude talks shit about your manhood. A dude talks shit about your wife. And then you get behind that dude and prop him up. Like he's the best thing running. So, I didn't know. He said that Marco Rubio has a little dick. He called him little Marco with tiny hands. You don't remember that speech? What, what, <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's like an insult to Cubans everywhere. You know? Yeah. If you never heard about the, the Superman of Havana, which I love watching Joey Diaz podcast and hearing his stories, but, you know, there are some Cubans out there that are packing, you know, 12-inch hogs, okay? It's just, it is what it is, you know? Uh, we're uh, we're uh, a thick, thick group of people. Girth <laughs> 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 is in our nature. Okay, so let's not turn this show into talking about how big our dicks are. 
No, let's not. Let's not. But let's also establish that we shouldn't worship politicians that are willing to go out there and, and say those type of things and, and cast them on other folks. If you're a politician yourself and members of the public love it. I mean, that's part was always part of Trump's main appeal is that he understood pop culture in a way that previous politicos and businessmen didn't. And he leveraged his pop culture status in order to advance himself, and advance his own agenda. And a lot yeah. of these politicians they, they don't have that knack. There are some some young ones coming up like um, AOC. You know, she gets uh, it. She's a millennial. She's always on Instagram. She's on Twitch gaming. You know, uh, she's out there you know, on Facebook and social media making it happen. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, uh, uh, some people may get mad at those comparisons of Trump to AOC, but it's about being able to utilize pop culture. Another one case in point, Jimmy Carter. You know, for for a lot of 80s babies, you don't really know Jimmy Carter. He was president back in the 70s, but he was the first guy to run a campaign. And he had concerts with the Allman Brothers, Jimmy Buffett, Willie Nelson. He got all the potheads together, the pothead musicians, and he had them do benefit concerts for him in order to raise money against the Democratic establishment that didn't want some, you know, southern backwoods guy from Georgia running against their their pride and joy of Jerry Brown from California, you know, and I think that was something that was unique in his his uh, yeah if you if you ever get a chance watch the documentary rock and roll president on hbo and you'll see like wow that's that's the way to do it in the modern era you got to be able to leverage pop culture as part of your political platform and i think that a lot of politicians are missing out in understanding that cannabis is no longer counterculture it is pop culture you know, yeah. Snoop Dogg is way more, you know, popular than than guys uh, like back in the day, like Ginsburg or 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 Dennis Le- or Leary. You know, uh, the the old uh, potheads from the '60s and '70s and such. You know, man, that's that's kind of funny, dude. Because I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, I used to think I was cool just because I knew what terpenes were, but like now, now random dudes walking down the street just have shirts that say terpenes on it and like you know they're wearing carrying cookies brand clothing and (laughs) like designer outlets and shit you know and yeah dude like it's definitely it's it's here it's part of our culture people who and that cookies brand is is amazing to me because it's like there's people out there that don't smoke weed right never would go to a, a cannabis dispensary you just don't want to do it and they're just like oh i gotta get my cookies backpack bro you know like <laughs> <laughs> like cookies is supreme right Th- those are like the pop culture brands people are rocking down you know yeah and and that's it's the, it's the new nike and reebok it's pop, pop. Weed, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, it's I, we, I, I used to be cool just because like you know I, you were there with me bro like I was teaching classes at a holy shit there is a car going by that's with a loud stereo you're in Ebor uh, City that's, that should not be a shocker <laughs> uh, but, no, I, we, we used to be we used to teach classes on what churches yeah. are yeah, like that. yeah. now everybody knows what it is now that's like irre- irrelevant information you know, and uh, it's it's definitely ingrained in our, our culture now, but it's still not legal. <laughs> yep, that's you the problem. I haven't gotten very far. That that's that goes back to my whole point of this 
soapbox that I'm on is that the disconnect between the policymakers and the people is is uh. a divide that is farther now more than ever. For all the progress we see people make with even in our state, you know, we we passed an an initiative. Not the politicians, uh, because they didn't have the political will or the political courage. Uh, in South Dakota, you, you know, the, the people passed it this past election. And you see courts trying to go back behind the peoples and, and strike down these constitutional uh, amendments, these different in- voter pass initiatives. And that's not right. I mean, well, you said it before. New Jersey was a, a several years of a battle uh, to, to get, you know, get it to the table. And so, yeah, you can have six ounces of bud, but you know, they won't let you grow it. And it's like, okay, you're killing me. You know, I think Virginia is probably, you know, when it look, when we look at the South, I think that the current bill we're seeing coming out of Virginia is probably what I'm seeing as a, a molding or a meshing of both systems, the vertically integrated system and in, in, in an open system meshed together, um, you know, similar to what we're seeing in, in, uh, in Illinois right now. And I think the, the biggest losers out of all that are always going to be the consumer because you ha- when you have less people in the market, you have less options. You know, yet you get forced to have to buy products that sometimes are subpar because there aren't any other offerings. Mm-hmm. So, Carlos, someone said you sound like Dana Carvey on Wayne's World. So, I guess oh, that, yeah. makes, that makes me Wayne. That makes you Garth. <laughs> Party time. Yeah, totally. totally. So Sounds like Dana Carvey on Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, one of the questions asked is, where's John Morgan in all this? Look, I, I yep. think John, John Morgan is one of those, you know, politicians that – uh, and I say politician in that he's he's a politico. He's not an elected official. He's a kingmaker. John Morgan has so many resources. If if he really wanted to get behind a certain candidate, he could dump a boatload of money behind that candidate and, and get, get whatever outcome that he wanted in an election. And I think we we, we kind of saw that with how he backed uh, Charlie Chris for governor against Rick Scott uh, back in 2014. Um, that, that Morgan, you know, if he wants a politician in there, he'll he'll get him in there. He'll make it happen. And, uh, you know, where's John in this fight? I mean, the Florida legislature, that's a lot. That's 120 people in the House, another 40 in the Senate. You know, that's a lot of money to influx into a lot of races and, and maybe not have the, the clout necessary. I mean, it, you, it would take someone who's a multi-billionaire, essentially, uh, to come into Florida. And, and, and even then, what we're talking about with political agenda and campaign donors, you know, you're still going to be beholden to campaign donors, even if they want a positive public policy like cannabis. There are going to be other things that the, the campaign donors are going to want. You know, when people donate to a campaign, they expect a return on their investment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for people who have supported camp, you know, I've run a couple of times. I've always taken nothing but small, small donations from regular citizens, you know, because mm-hmm. those were the people I wanted to be beholden to. I didn't want to be beholden to the businesses that dump money into my campaign. I didn't want to be beholden to super PACs dumping money into my campaign. And I think that 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 what is where we're at right now is that in order to win just something small like a state house race, which is a job that pays 30K a year. And that, you know, you only work for a few months out the year, if you will, really, with committees and session and everything. I mean, those people are spending a hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand dollars on those races. And and it, wow. it, it's more about power than it is money. And so that's why you see the 70% of the people in the Florida legislature right now are millionaires. They're not yeah. 
regular people like you and me. They're not small business owners trying to trying to make the hustle and make sure the rent gets paid next month. You know, these folks are ones that that go to country clubs and have their own yachts. And some of them even have their own private planes and such. And it's 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 infuriating to see that disconnect. It's like you can't relate to me. So you're sitting here trying to tell me, you know, oh, well, minimum wage of fifteen dollars is too much. And and having the right to legal cannabis to grow it at home and smoke it yourself, you know, and, and still be able to have a job is too much. And I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree 100 percent. And that's why I said, Carlos, if you want to run for mayor, I support your platform hands down because I know that you're in touch. You're a business owner with the people. You're the type of so like a, I got to be a millionaire to get in the legislature. But just, you know, the run for mayor. Council. Oh, man. Uh, city you council, know? a city council race. I mean, it depends on your district. Funny enough, Carlos, your district that you live in is actually up for election in the, in the next uh in the next one, well, wait, you know, you live in the county because you're right across the street, right? Yeah. Ah, so you couldn't even run from a uh, 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 mayor of Tampa or city of Tampa. You'd have to move across the street from your current uh-huh. home because <laughs> your house is just on the other side of the street from the city border. So. Fucking buy a new house to get yeah. involved in city politics. What about what about county? Can county council? That's a thing, yeah. right? County commission. You want to run for county commission? That, that's something that you could do. Those are elected every four years. I don't um, like your tone right now. Like it's just like, yeah, you can. If you want to do that, you, I support you. I, I think that. <laughs> I think that. Like looking at main policy points, right? Cannabis uh, is a big policy point for you. Uh, the county commission are the ones who, uh, you know, are regulating dispensaries uh, as far as like dispensary bans. You know, uh, I remember at the county commission a few years back, we were all fighting to stop the dispensary cap. They wanted to cap the number of dispensaries allowed in the county. Um, so, yeah, the county commission does have certain input on on these cannabis businesses. But the state of Florida um, is consistently in where it chooses to uh, preempt counties and cities on regulating certain things. You know, these caps on on cannabis. So, you know, uh, even still being a local official is doesn't have as much power as those folks in the state legislature for someone who makes 30k a year who's already a millionaire who's putting you know who's getting uh, you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in campaign donations these are the people that are the incumbents these are the ones that are making the policy decisions and we the people have to do something about it yes more people have to run for office Uh, as i said before more people in both parties have to vote prohibitionists out of there and you got to put people in office that are willing to be on your team, on your side when it comes to these uh, key public policy issues. And I think that's the that's the downside of it, because cannabis for a lot of voters is not their only issue. For some, it is a make or break issue. For me, it is definitely a make or break issue. If you're a prohibitionist politician, you could agree with me on 99 percent of my other policy platforms. But this one right here, this one right here. <laughs> Okay. You know, okay. So check this out, right? So uh, the first, so two things before I ask my question, right? Uh, the, the the first time that there was any type of legalization out there in the U.S. anywhere, it wasn't on a state level. It was on a city level. It was the city mm-hmm. of San Francisco, and they basically put out like a, a memo or something like that, saying like, we're just not going to arrest you if you're using it for medical use, right? That's pretty much all they did, right? Like that was like, I think in 1992, right? And I mentioned earlier in the in this show that I used to live in the city of Oakland, right? 
um, when I was living there, medical marijuana was legal. Um, I had visited California with my family and we were in San Francisco um, right before they passed adult use. And like, it was, it was one of those things where like the law was already passed, right? They just hadn't enacted it yet. Right. So I wanted to buy some weed. So I hop on the bar train and I head over to Oakland. Right. I stop into Amsterdam and I'm like, yo, what's up, everybody? I'm back. What's what's good? What's going on? Uh, where can I buy some weed, guys? And, you know, they informed me that the city of Oakland had actually legalized marijuana, the actual city. And they sent me to this place where it was like a club, it was like a collective. And in order to become a member of this collective, I had to take a test saying that um, I never snitched on it. Like it, the guy gave me the test. He was like, be careful if you, if you mess up one question, right? You're not gonna be able to get in there, right? So you look at the test and it's all like, have you ever snitched on anybody for selling marijuana? Do you believe marijuana should be legalized? Right. Um, it, <laughs> it was like all these like crazy questions, like trying to make sure that I'm not a snitch, basically. Right. So the point of all this is the city of Oakland passed a law legalizing marijuana. If Jane Castor wanted to. You feel me? Mm -hmm. If you if Jane Castor wanted to, would she be able to legalize marijuana within the city limits of Tampa? And if so, that would suck because my house is right across the street. <laughs> um, I would say this much: she she could make enforcement uh, at the lowest priority possible. I mean, essentially, you know, with the city ordinance that was passed, uh, police currently have the option to choose not to arrest you. Um, and I think that's probably the best that we could get is a change in enforcement priorities because the state of Florida law preempts any local laws. And local governments can't essentially adopt a more um, liberal policy than, than the state government. Like the state government sets the bar. And currently, cannabis still remains I illegal uh, and is still a misdemeanor for 20 grams or less in Florida. Okay, but there's certain police officers that work for the state, certain police officers that work for the city. If that police officer worked for the city of Oakland, for for example, in that time frame that I was talking to you about, yeah, right, they kind of would have the choice. Like they wouldn't get fired if like their boss found out. No, right, no, yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, I don't know. I, the point I'm trying to get at is we need to make me mayor of Tampa so I can legalize marijuana in the city limits of Tampa. You could direct TPD to not enforce marijuana policy. You know, also <laughs> your state attorney matters. Uh, Andrew Warren is our state attorney. Uh, I, I know we work to, to help him uh, get rid of Mark Ober, which was the third worst prohibitionist in the country. So I'm glad that, you know, we, we got rid of that prohibitionist and, and got Andrew Warren in there. You know, having a state attorney that also does not want to waste our tax dollars prosecuting cannabis crimes is, is another valuable office that, that matters. Um, and then also having judges that aren't going to throw the book at people. 
So there are so many offices in this country um, beyond just the, the state legislature uh, that affect criminal justice policy when it comes to cannabis uh, that we need to be paying attention to. Um, and, and yes, a strong mayor system of government like Tampa, where the mayor essentially is the one running the police department, uh, it, it says a lot. And there's a lot that can be done if, you, if we had a mayor with the fortitude to do that. And if that person is Carlos Jose Angel Hermita, I am all in. <laughs> I I hear what you're you're telling me, Kano. I, I'm setting my sights too low. I got to become governor. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The same there you go. Could just be like, yo, this is stupid. I don't know why he sounds like that in my head, but he's like, yo, this is stupid. <laughs> Fucking legalized marijuana. It's <laughs> my dis- my So somehow. So- this Harvard, this Harvard graduate naval officer sounds like a soprano. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> like my name's uh, DeSantis. <laughs> they, they call me Ronnie. You know, they call, they call me Ronnie DeSantis. <laughs> they call me Ronnie on the mean streets of Naples. <laughs> and and on that yeah. note, I you know, think. Uh, I, I do see some key things in, in all this, right? Like we're arguing yeah. over legalization and, and how fast the progress is happening, but there are key groups that I do not want to see left behind when it comes to legalization. Um, you know, veterans, number one, you know, for me uh, working with the weed for warriors project and having the opportunity to see and, and meet and talk with veterans and understand that cannabis is a medicine and a treatment that helps their daily struggles uh, to heal the scars that they have uh, that are both visible and invisible. The ones that they received on the battlefield and they re- they've received in, in coming back home uh, and adjusting to life here. They by all means, should one have unbridled access to this plant. Veterans should have the right to grow at home. Veterans should not have to pay these ridiculous taxes and fees in in the cannabis system for all that they've sacrificed for us and for this country. The the, the other group of people that I don't want to see left behind is those groups that have been over-policed and targeted and oppressed by cannabis laws, namely the you know uh, the the urban core and the neighborhoods and communities and, and that are African American and Latino that see disproportionate arrest rates and conviction rates when it comes to cannabis, and and you know some of these states have tried to do their best you know and I say try because I haven't seen a state really pull it off to success yet uh, in creating social equity programs and licensing in Florida they attempted to do that they're like oh we'll give one of these vertically integrated licenses to a black farmer and here we are in 2021 and it still hasn't happened and so you know there's black farmers in florida too there's got to be come on i mean it's just sad that 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 this is what we see so you know uh, again understanding that the war on drugs the, the cannabis prohibition has caused damage to various communities and there are various groups of people that are hurt more than others you know and, and the, the recognizing that and trying to do something about that is what we need to do as well um, as we push along, you know, these legalization laws. So uh, all in all, what can we do? We can be informed voters. For us, 
just casting our ballots in the ballot box is not enough. You got to get engaged in the legislative process, which is why we're happy to guide, you know, and, and you know, break it down for the, the common man of all this crazy political jargon that you see of all these crazy bills going on. There, there's so much legislation moving. Uh, we're actually revamping our website to, to create a legislative tracker so you can follow along where these bills are going. So uh, uh, look on uh, look for that coming out next week. Um, and, and post- uh, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm editing the website. It doesn't happen. So. <laughs> I think it's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> so, you know, uh, this there there is some comments about House Bill 1445 that I found interesting. Um, that House bill in itself uh, has some limits on edibles, and it no longer allows minors uh, to have access uh, to medical marijuana. Uh, essentially, minors right now need two physician recommendations. To me, this is near and dear because, look, if a child has brain cancer and that child needs high THC to kill a brain tumor, then why is the state legislature trying to get in between that doctor and that and that patient and that child being healthy? You know, to say that, oh, minors can only have low THC cannabis, well, that, that in itself is, is ludicrous. You know, it, all treatment options need to be available. If your kid is sick, the last thing you want is the state trying to tell you that, oh, your kid did have this treatment option. You just needed two doctor certifications. But now we're going to take that away. And we're going to limit the potency of edibles. And that's what House Bill 1445 does, in addition to preventing certifying physicians. Uh, so essentially, if you see medical marijuana patients, you can't be a part of the medical marijuana industry. And it also limits advertising for medical marijuana treatment centers. There's this paternalistic approach in the Florida legislature. Like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to have a rampant epidemic of teenage potheads all over the state if we don't, you know, overregulate this system. And that is not true. It's not right. And it's just a flat out bad public policy. But, you know, it's like when you say you're doing it for the kids, you kind of get a free pass in, in politics. And that's just not right. Kids. That's been an excuse for a long time, man. The parental yeah. advisory. Like, what about the children? What about the children? They're going to listen to pop that pussy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. Your teenage kid is actually listening to WAP right now, smoking a jewel. Okay, yeah. cannabis is the least of your concerns when it comes yeah. to your child. <laughs> yeah. I hate those nicotine vapes. Oh man, I got a, a junk mail the other day, and it was like, "Do you want to stop smoking?" And I opened it, and it's jewel. It's a jewel advertisement. Made it seem like it was a let's stop smoking advertisement. But no, it's like switch from cigarettes to nicotine vapes. I think we should just set like a live uh, camera on your dog and just put that up on our Facebook feed. She wants me to go outside with her is what it is. She's like, Daddy, why are you sitting here talking to Carlos on the computer? You should be outside frolicking with me. Well, she's going to get her chance because we've, we've run a, just, you know, we've come to that time. It's about that time to, to wrap it up. So what else can you do to help improve the cannabis movement? Well, you can join Suncoast Normal, right? You can do that on our website, suncoastnormal.org. You can see that link down there at the bottom there, over there, right? <laughs> right. And um what else should we do what else should we talk about here let's well, say don't if you're already a member you can come down to chillum and pick up your membership package right yeah 
all our employees know about our membership packages now. So like if there's any issues, you're you're not gonna get any getting a thumbs up. Get your membership cards, you know. This cool mask that I didn't have on at the beginning of the Yeah, get your member mask. Indeed. And if you liked uh, watching The Rotation, you want to check out some other shows, you can download The Rotation on SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iTunes. You can also watch us live on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. And where's the social media? There we go. We're at Suncoast Normal on all of our social media platforms. What else should we talk about? Oh, if you want the mask, you can just get it on the website. Indeed, indeed. And if you're concerned about whether or not the legislature is going to pass the THC cap, you can do your due diligence, call your state representative, call your state senator, ask them to vote no on it when it comes to the floor. And again, uh, to my you know friends and, and fellow potheads who are Republicans, uh, you have probably the biggest impact in all this by telling your elected officials you're their constituent and you will vote their ass out of office in the next primary if they're not willing to support legalization and stop these caps. Yeah, be proactive, guys. Do something, <laughs> you know? Do something. Get out there, vote. You know, uh, become politically active. Go go to a city council meeting and vote for Carlos Ramita for city council in Tampa. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Peace. See you in the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.